thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damian Kristoff. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicating bringing wellness into our lives. And today, gentlemen, um, we are going to be answering questions from our listeners and it's fans. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. I love it. I'm rocking backwards and forwards. I'm so excited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I love this bit. This is the best. So I'm bouncing cool. off the walls at the moment. I, you can hear that I am a bit echoey today because uh, I my my wife decided to paint the room in my office. So I'm uh, the you know I'm the, my sound is bouncing off the walls. So you can hear me echoing in here. So sounds I do like, apologize. Sounds like you're complaining. No, not at all. Oh, cool. That's lucky. Gosh, Karen would be cross. Though. I'm a bit high, though. I'm a bit high. It's a tough gig when your wife paints your office for you. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Did you, did, you, did you have to crack the whip or what? How did that work? Well, let's, let's, let's face the fact here. My wife actually hired someone to paint the room. Okay, okay so. there we go. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And it, was, it would have been five or six people to do it as well, I bet. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's what it takes to paint this small little office I have. <laughs> I all right, so it. here we go. We got some questions. Uh, we got tons here. We might not get through tons. it all, but heaps, hey. Hundreds. Heaps, heaps. Um, though you got a one actually from today. A, a listener um, decided to Facebook this message uh, talking about uh, an earlier episode that we talked about rice bran oil and how bad it actually is. Mm. And this is probably one of our first 10 episodes, I think. Probably even Top maybe, three. Top three, yeah, maybe. It's yeah. pretty long. Well, that was two years ago. Mm. And uh, so she's been using rice bran oil because for several years now simply because she thought um, that it was a great oil to use. And now we told her it's not. So, Well, we told her two years ago. She just didn't get a chance to hear that episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's what happened. That's what happened. And, and look, rice bran oil, I'm going to butt in here, is bad. I'm happy for anyone to come and tackle me to the ground and give me a typewriter for that one. But it is not good. Um, it's heat extracted. Uh, from a very, very dry substance. And it comes out, uh, if it's not heat extracted, it's chemically extracted. And so the combination of both of those things is not flash because uh, when you heat extract stuff, then you're obviously mucking up the polyunsaturated fat component of the oil. That's not good. And so it comes out black. It's a bit gross, a bit, bit disgusting, and it's smelly, stinky. So what they have to do to make it commercially uh, viable is deodorize it and bleach it and then once they've got it to the right color consistency, they put a little label on there that says no cholesterol. And because we think that cholesterol is bad in Australia, um, people think that rice bran oil must be good because it says no cholesterol. And that's that's the marketing stuff for you. But rice bran oil, I still, two years on, wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Mm, there you go. Nice. There you have it. I hope that. So what would you replace it with, just so that you know she's clear on that now that she's got rid of her rice bran oil? Well, I love olive oil for dressing my food. I love it. It's great. It's got to be cold-pressed, extra virgin olive oil. Dress my food with it. It's awesome. If I'm going to do any cooking with oil, then I'll be using macadamia oil or coconut oil. That's It's pretty simple, just as easy as that. People ask about grapeseed oil. I'll put that on my salads. It's lovely, but I don't cook with it. People often ask about avocado oil. Same deal. Put it on my salads. I don't cook with it. Okay, excellent. So let's move on to the next question. There was a question on natural liver detox. Is there any natural liver detox? Well, whenever you change your diet for the better, you'll detox just a little bit, you know, and if, depending on how clean your food is and how gentle your food is will determine how much you actually detox anyway. But there are some things that you can use to enhance your detoxification process. 
and then mainly herbs. You don't have to use supplemental herbs. You can actually use herbs such as dandelion. You can actually get that in, in your lettuce mixes or you can get dandelion tea and you can just drink that. That can be very, very beneficial. Uh, you can get... Um, What's the what's the king of bitters? What's that one called again? That's, that's a herb. Do you remember what that is, Bredo? LT? Help me out here. I don't know. Don't the know. king of bitters. This is, this is oh. not my expertise. I asked the expert. Well, and, there's uh, a, you there's a very bitter herb. Someone's going to be listening to this right now, and they're going to go, it's this one, Damo. Well, oh, yeah. th- there is a herb that you can get, but dandelion works really well. If you went to your local health food store and picked up a herbal detox um, kit or a herbal detox tea, you can have that with a very high vegetable-based diet and an easy-to-digest protein diet. So if you went with a lighter protein such as your fish and your eggs and you had lots of olive oil and salads and that's all you had and you took out all the sugar, took out all the processed stuff and you got rid of all the junky stuff, you would detox. No problems. Okay. Excellent. Well, I reckon, yes, I reckon what you touched on at the start, Damo, is probably the most important thing. That actually the best way to detox is just to live a healthy life. Like just to actually eat a healthy, clean food so and exercise and do those sort of things. And, and your body's just going to naturally be detoxing all the time because your body's always detoxing. And so it's more about not toxing than it is detoxing, I reckon. That was good. That was good. I like that. Um, the next question here, we got uh, PDSD. Now, Brett, you might have to explain that. That's a bit of a big word for me. So uh, explain what PDSD is. And, uh... PTSD, PTSD loads is actually post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, that's right. Wait, that's right. And so, um, look, this is not something that I would consider myself an expert in. This is probably not a field for me. And I, I think this might be one that we might need to get a guest on. Unless, Damien, you've got something particularly you'd like to add in on this one. No, but this might no, be it's, something it's... we need to refer to an expert on, I reckon. Yep, it's outside my Skype for sure. Yeah, so there you go. We, uh, well, there's certain things we can't answer and we will uh, address that by uh, bringing on an expert. That's why we do interviews. All right, so this one's a really um, interesting one because this has been talked about for, you know, uh, probably the last few years. It's been a big thing. Juicing, fasting, and well, we kind of talked about detox and already, but what about juice fast? Damien? Well, if you juice fast, you'll detox fast, absolutely. So um, that's what's going to happen there. Now, if you wanted to do it, you will become nutrient deficient. Just understand that. It, it actually does um, it, it does decrease the amount of protein that you're getting into your body, and it does decrease the amount of fat that you're getting into your body. So as a result, your body will go into stress, and you will detox mm. as a result. That's what's going to happen. So now, let's ask a couple of questions. Good, uh, is, why would you want to consider a juice fast? Well, some people want to lose weight fast, right? So they think, well, if I just do something kind of radical, then that's going to work. And so that's a, it's a, it's a long bow. You know, they're, just, they're taking a, uh, a a quick approach at at a, um, I suppose, a longer term solution. Does that make sense? So they yes. they really need to um, just eat like what Brett just said before. Eat well, live a healthy life, and you'll get there. You'll do really well. If you just wanted to maybe clean your body out and just do a week of juicing, I'm, I'm okay with that. But I don't really see the need to go and do three or four or five weeks of juice fasting. I think that's a bit, a bit full on. Um, it's outside of the wellness thing. I would suspect it's probably more a treatment or something that's quite radical. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I'm with you, Dan. I would never do a juice fast. I reckon the idea of having such a high percentage fructose load, high sugar, high carb diet, we know that kind of stresses your body out. So that doesn't make sense to me in terms of if you're wanting to clean out, to be doing just juice doesn't actually make sense to me. Does what cause a lot of stress, huge amount of what stress. What would you expect, like because of the increase in stress in the body because of juice? What would, what would someone expect them to go through? Oh, uh, heaps, heaps. 
you get really funny poos, funny guts, lots of wind. You would um, probably a little bit. Be... It's, been, it's been a while, Damo. Back to oh, poos. It's been a few episodes, I reckon. How long did it take good, me? How many minutes? Work, How many minutes have we been on? I was busting to get some poo in there. Oh, look, I saw worms. Like worms is way down in the list. Right, intestinal worms how to remove naturally. Like it's way down the list. I'm thinking, oh, I've got to bring poo into oh, it before that. Oh, yeah. just bump it up, Damo. Just yeah. just go next with that one. I will. <laughs> well, here's the thing with juicing. You'll go through. You'll go through a lot of withdrawal, um, and you'll go through a fair bit of um, remodeling in the body. You'll go into catabolism, which is where your body breaks down. You will break down muscle. You will break down fat. Now, a little bit of juice fasting over a short space of time, it's probably going to be okay. It's like if you if you do anything into extreme for a short period of time, it's probably not going to knock you around too much. But it's when you do it for a long period of time and repeatedly that it probably has a more significant traumatic effect in the body. All right, well, since we're on the topic of poo and you want to get right to this uh, particular topic, let's yeah. talk about the worms. Yeah. Let's talk about worms. How do you remove them naturally? you got to get some herbs. I like herbs. One of the best herbs, um, <laughs> and I've been using herbs since 1992 when I was an accountant. We know that story, right? Hey, boys. Um, but the, <laughs> yeah. but the, uh, it, the intestinal worm uh, doesn't respond very well to certain herbs that are very, very bitter. And there's a, there's a combination of herbs that I use uh, from Metagenics, you've got to get it through a healthcare practitioner. Um, it's called uh, Parix. Um, they've got another one out called Bactrix. And the combination of those two herbal formulas, and they're very natural, it's just herbs put into a little tablet uh, without heat, so the herbs are still essentially raw but, dr- but dried. Um, they, they actually disrupt the uh, intestinal flora, including parasites and worms, and push those little bad boys out. Now, that works for most people. Now, the reason why I say most people, some people have got such a massive worm infestation that you, you know, you've got to often do something a little bit more drastic. But um, in my, that's what I've seen in my experience. Um, right. But most people, I'd say 80 to 90% of people would respond very well to Parix and Bactrix. Okay, well, two, two questions. Um, what is the main sort of um, herbs or herbs um, that are actually in Parix? You know, just so that people, just in case they don't don't can't get metagenics or anything like that. So, yeah. what, do you happen to know those? Yes, yeah, Chinese wormwood. Okay, um, which right. is very very stinky, very stinky. Um, yeah. And have you ever been to the beach and there's that grey plant that's kind of got that really pongy smell? Do you, do you know what I'm talking yep. about? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And no. if you touch it, it you actually it really stinky. It's heaps in Mindari where you used to be. There was so much Chinese wormwood just there. It was unbelievable. Wormwood must have been is... attracted to my Chineseness. Yeah. Well, I actually maybe that was what you used to boil up and have for yeah, breakfast. Maybe. maybe that's why you don't have worms. I don't. Maybe you don't have... <laughs> I've never asked you if you've got an itchy bottom, but uh, but uh, <laughs> actually I've never seen you scratch don't it. Lie. So maybe you don't. Right. So there you go. Uh, but um, Chinese wormwood, you'll see it down at the beach. You could you could actually grab it from there and steep it and, and drink it if you wanted to, or you just take it in a tablet. But that is the main thing. But the bitter herbs and the anti-parasitic herbs tend to be the ones. Um, what, there's oils that actually do it too, like oregano oil is very anti-parasitic. Um, that works okay. very well. Excellent. Well, the second part of the question is, how do you know if you have intestinal worms? Itchy bow, itchy bottom, itchy bottom, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, itchy bottom. He's, he's it, loving this. He's it's on itchy fire. bottom. I'm starting to get an itchy bottom. <laughs> so you get an itchy bottom, and uh, that's one of the. You see it lots with kids, like they'd be, you know, scratching their not just the cheek, but the inside of the hole, right at the anus. They'll be kids will be scratching there put their hands down their pants and scratch it because it's itchy and then they're spreading it to their friends and family and um and so that's that's one way insatiable <laughs> carbohydrate appetite 
you know, some people just always want to eat carbs and then they tend to lose weight as a result of eating carbs. Um, even though they're eating truckloads of them, um, there's often, and there's bloating too. So there's three key signs. Fatigue um, is a big one as well. I'm going to just uh, count how many times you said itchy bottom um, in this podcast. All right, so let's <laughs> move on to the next question here. Uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, if you, someone who has a type 1 diabetes, what would you, what would you guys recommend for a nutritional advice? You go, Brett, eh? And I'll, oh, and I'll fill in some gaps too. Excellent. That'd be great. Well, I've actually had a couple of people uh, coming into the practice with children with type 1 diabetes who've actually been able to control that themselves without insulin, which is pretty amazing. Mm. Um, and so they've been doing that by just really having pretty well a paleo diet, so, so a pretty low carbohydrate diet, um, and just making sure that they're basically not causing those, those sort of spikes in the carbohydrates, which seems to be a big problem or obviously is a big problem for people with type 1 diabetes. Um, and so... That's, it was a very interesting. One of them actually had been controlling it very well with her child uh, and then her child had broken her arm and had to go into hospital. And of course, she got into hospital and they put them on their hospital-based diabetic diet, which is pretty interesting because it's usually bucket loads of carbohydrates. Mm. Um, and all of a sudden, they had to go back onto insulin. Um, and so that, that was kind of, for me, a really interesting insight and kind of an interesting case study into how they'd been actually managing to control it uh, with diet purely. Now, uh, Damo, you might go into this. Well, I'm not an expert in this area, and I don't know if all cases can be controlled in that way with diet. And I think it's probably something that's worthwhile discussing. You know, with your doctor. Obviously, we're talking about medications. You know, we don't want to, we don't want anyone to go off of their medications just based purely on what we're saying. But just all I want people to understand is that it is possible, and there are people out there doing it. Yep. Um, and so you should have a look into that and see uh, see how that works for you. I reckon. Yeah, good reckoning. I uh, I do. I've I've got a number of patients too that uh, have type one diabetes and manage their uh, blood sugar levels beautifully without medication these days, which is excellent, and their yeah. endocrinologists are over the moon. So it's really good. I do work closely with endocrinologists on that because it's a very uh, tricky disease to work with, and if you do, if you get it wrong, it can be bad. Um, Absolutely. But you, you know, you've really got to take a very sensible approach with that. Now, uh, there's a big school of thought that if you've got diabetes, you need more carbohydrate. It's actually the reverse. Um, mm. you, you probably you don't do well with carbohydrates. You need to find different sources of fuel. You still need to get carbohydrate into your body because your brain needs it, and other other body parts need carbohydrate fuel. But it shouldn't come from the high glycemic load or the high glycemic index carbohydrate. So we're talking eating lots of vegetables and lots of salads as your primary source of carbohydrates, but getting most of your fuel from fats and proteins. That appears yeah. to be the best way to manage it. And look, there's a guy who last year, he's now back in Canada, but last year he played for the Melbourne Rebels rugby team and uh, he had type 1 diabetes unmedicated playing high, le high level um, sport. That's mm -hmm. awesome. It's amazing stuff, isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing what your body can do. So let's talk about, um, you know, just common ailments. So the next question was more like some of the natural remedies for common ailments. I assume things like, um, let's name a couple, you know, common cold. Like, you know, as American, North Americans are heading into winter, uh, Australians down here are heading into summer. You know, common colds and flus are happening. Do you think we should, I reckon we could do a whole episode on this one later, Lawrence. We yeah, could. Why don't we leave that one and we'll do a whole episode just on that because I reckon that could be great. I think so. But can I just say, if you're not doing vitamin C and zinc and you're wondering what else you could use, you've got to start at the baseline. Vitamin C and zinc, they're the ingredients for the body to actually get on top of it. So there's mm. no point stimulating your immune system to do stuff by using herbs if you don't have the ingredients in your body to make the stuff to make white blood cells, right? So you need vitamin C and zinc. 
he just couldn't nice. help himself, could he? Yeah, I know. I love it. Simple, simple, <laughs> simple, you know. Simple. But we'll do a whole episode on that because there's so much to talk about. You gave away our secret. All right. So yeah. the next question, I love this one because I think it's a, a pretty important question. Um, you know, some people asked us uh, in a recent survey that we did from the wellness guys, uh, you know, you know, why do we ask uh, the question of, you know, what your income is, household income? And the simple reason is because we want to make sure we give advice to the right amount of people. If we notice that a lot of people are, you know, on a lower, lower income, we got to give a health advice, you know, based on that as well. So this is a question based on health on a budget. You know, how do you stay healthy and eat healthy, buy healthy um, when you're on a budget, a budget, especially, I guess, um, a question. I think I've, from memory, this came from a student um, yeah. as a question, you know, like I remember uni days uh, where you're just kind of struggling with, with the amount of money and expenditure uh, that you have. So how would you do it? Well, you know, my number one tip for people always when they talk about health on a budget, my first tip is always drink water. Because so for so many people, and I tell you what, for me definitely when I was a student, <laughs> a large part of my uh, income was going towards liquid calories. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, often that is, you know, in a regular household, that might be, you know, soft drinks, it might be juices, it might be milk, it might be, you know, all of those other things that you can drink other than water. Uh, for me as a student, there were probably a few other liquid calories that came into there as well. Like, the, you know, Friday night and Saturday night, I was probably spending a little bit more than I should have been on the alcohol. And Monday night, Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, lunchtime and, you know, all those sort of things. But so, you know, I think the number one tip in terms of saving money when you're when you're a student or when you're on a budget is really just drink lots of water. Because as soon as you do that, all that money that you're saving yourself by drinking water, you can then often reinvest in other areas or you can either just save it or you can reinvest it in other areas and go for slightly better quality produce perhaps in other areas as well. Um, but aside from that, I think it's just about keeping it simple. I really think it's, you know, we often have so much, so many extras in there and sauces and sides and, you know, often it's just a matter of keeping it simple to eat on a budget and it can be just your, you know, your simple meat and three veg and, you know, just your basic simple food that often can be pretty cost effective and pretty cheap. Yeah, also I think going to like farmer's markets, you know, or yeah, going, sure, going into a chance to just, yeah. you know, where you can get a whole bunch of um, really great fresh vegetables yeah. and produce. Um, and um, especially most cities and towns, except for Perth, have uh, really nice <laughs> farmer's markets. <laughs> and, that you can and sometimes that means you can buy in bulk too, Lawrence. So, yeah. um, you know, obviously that might mean it's a little bit more of an expense up front, but it can save you a lot over the journey. So I've just recently bought a quarter of a cow. Yes, that's And right. so that... That cost me quite a bit up front, right? But actually, when you work it out, it works out to about $9 a kilo for grass-fed, grass-fed organic beef. Yes, yeah, so um, you, so you didn't buy it. You actually went and killed it, didn't you? I, did, I didn't. I didn't. I bought it. I don't know. I'm letting myself down. I should have did gone you pay with it. it. You, you paid with it. I should it have with... pushed it over while I was asleep and then, you know, <laughs> but I didn't. I, I bought it. But, but it was... It was well worth it, but nine bucks a kilo for this awesome quality meat. Tastes amazing. Cooked a roast with it the other night, and it was tip top. Love it. How many pebbles did that cost? How many pebbles? Yeah, <laughs> shiny rocks, anyway. Shiny rocks. And shiny beans. rocks, lasers. Gotcha. <laughs> Damien, do you have anything to add on this health on a budget? I mean, you've been in uni several times, so um, uh, tell tell me about what would you do. We can do poor health on a budget really well. Um, just uh, yeah. just go and buy lollies and stuff. But to do health, like good health on a budget, you've got to be smart about it. So you really need to know what foods you're going to be cooking. You need to know what's in season. You then need to be able to prepare meals um, in advance. In other words, know what you're going to be preparing for the week so that when you go shopping, you're actually selecting the right ingredients at the best price at the farmer's market or you know go straight to the 
you know, to the little stores that are on the side of the roads near the farmers if you can. Um, or, um, like what Brett said, get a co-op together. Get like eight or ten of your friends and buy yourself a cow. And, you know, it probably cost you about five or $600 to buy a cow um, or half a cow. But, you know, divvy it up to it with each other. Get a lamb, buy yourself a lamb or buy yourself a bunch of chooks and, uh, and, and go that way. Mm. And then the, the other way too, just uh, you know, thinking outside the box is you know, tell your parents to, um, especially your mom, to listen to the wellness guys, and then make her cook really nice food. And when you go home, bring some back and you know, freeze it. So that, that might be another idea. <laughs> the other thing when you talk about being prepared as well, obviously, is like pre-preparing lunches and snacks and those sort of things. Because so often it's easy to spend money, you know, during the day on lunches and snacks and bits and pieces here and there. Where Obviously, if you're preparing that at home, then that can make that a whole bunch cheaper as well. So that's probably another element to that being prepared. And whether it's just you know cooking a big roast on the weekend and having that as leftovers for lunches during the week or whatever, you know, the more you prepare, then the better you're going to do. Okay, so here's a, another one, a big question here, um, us being three chiropractors. What is the difference between chiropractors and osteopath? Who wants to tackle that one? Brett, you go first. All right, I'll jump in with this one. So, you know, in Australia, sometimes there isn't a massive difference between them. I know that one of the colleges, at least in Australia, used to be a chiropractic and osteopathic college. So they actually used to graduate people who did both. Um, But the primary difference is, I guess, why we do what we do. So so sometimes from the outside looking in, the techniques will look similar. Uh, But in Australia, um, you know, the chiropractors primarily are looking towards the nervous system and getting the nervous system functioning at its optimum. The osteopaths often looking more towards the, the blood and making sure the blood is flowing and circulation and those sort of things, and sometimes doing a little bit more sort of organ work and those sort of things as well. But to a large degree in Australia, they're both looking at the same sort of thing, which is essentially removing interference so that the body can function at its best. Um, For overseas, for some of our listeners who are overseas, perhaps if you look to America, for instance, then some of the osteopaths there will have prescribing rights and be more like a conventional doctor as well and much more along that medical paradigm. So it depends. Yeah, so it depends where you're listening from as well. Um, but in Australia, at least, they, they can be you know, relatively similar, doing, this, doing the same sort of thing with a slightly different intent. Mm. Excellent. Damon, do you have anything to add before we move on? No, I think the intent, which is wrapped up in the philosophy, I think is what probably separates us. You know, we often all talk about very, very similar things. I think if you put a bunch of osteos and a bunch of chiros in the same ring, we'd probably all share the same common health beliefs. Okay, great. Um, here's a great question, I think, uh, that um, we never actually touched on, and maybe we need to bring in a, um, an expert on this, but what about pet wellness? You know, how do you care for your pets, for, let's just say a dog or a cat, you know, food, nutrition-wise, what would you guys do? Well, I, I would say it's about uh, trying to create it so that it's biologically appropriate for your pets. So actually have a look at like what sort of stuff you're feeding your pets, because very often, the you know, if you look at the conventional pet foods, they're very full of just kind of junk carbohydrates, like mm. the same sort of junk carbohydrates actually that most people are eating too, they're actually feeding their pets as well. But if you actually look at the ingredients in that and say to yourself, well, would this animal actually eat that in the natural, like in the wild, what would they actually be eating? Because, you know, when you look at animals that get shoved into a zoo and fed, you know, processed foods, and they don't tend to be as healthy as the animals when they're in the wild. So mm. you want to look at whatever animal it is, and, you know, obviously a lot of it dogs and cats and those sort of things. Look at what they eat in the wild. What would their diet look like naturally? And chances are that's going to be the best thing that you can feed them. So try and replicate that as closely as possible. And more and more now there's companies out there who are actually making pet foods that are more biologically appropriate. So you can actually sort of look that up and you'll find various different companies there making pet foods that are more in tune with what they would naturally eat. 
Yeah. Um, and in the same token, it's about, you know, natural exercise for them as well. You know, dogs shouldn't be just cooped up inside the whole time or, you know, they need to be out. They need to run. You need to exercise, which is good for you and good for the dog. Um, you know, get out and exercise them, spend some time with them, have some fun with them. Um, and so make sure that your animals are doing, I guess, as close as possible to what they would be doing in the nature. I just realized that you guys don't even have dogs and um, I should have asked the I've answer. got a dog. Oh, do you have, have dog? dog? Oh, sorry. Dog. When did you have a dog? I think- I've always had a dog called Oh, Chubby. you have too. That's oh. right. Yeah, yeah, of course you do. No, that's it. There you go. Yeah. Well, just to answer uh, that question, I can probably give some insight on that too as well from a pet wellness. I have a dog as well, and uh, we chose not to feed them, um, feed her, um, uh, the, you know, purchase dog food. And uh, so we feed her using something called the BARF diet. Um, and basically, BARF diet <laughs> is, you can actually look it up. It's a B-A-R-F. And so it basically is raw food. And so we actually get raw, um, raw meat, like raw turkey or mince and uh, chicken mince. And then we also um, put in raw vegetables as well. And, uh, and we actually blend that and blitz that in there and uh, basically mix it all up. And we, we do a whole bunch at a time. So we all mix the meat and uh, the vegetables and all that stuff, um, grind it up, and then basically um, store it up and, and freeze freeze a whole bunch so that we just could basically take one, probably about three days worth and just scoop one scoop at a time. And one of the things that I learned about the pets as well is that is dogs are meant, you know, when you think about in the wild, they're not going to go search for food like three times a day. Um, you know, they're going to search for food and they usually will eat and then that would be it because not, food's not always available if it were in the wild. So the thing is, is that what I've, I've learned and done some research on is that, you know, why I feel my feed my dog is actually just feed them once a day rather than trying to feed them three times a day, um, just like humans would. And so um, it actually works really, really well. She's got a beautiful nice. coat um, and, and on her fur. Yeah, bright and, um, and skin. Your porcelain skin. She, yeah, she's, she got porcelain fur. She's a gorgeous she's got She does got porcelain. Is, is her hair like all perfect, Lawrence? Like yeah. in the perfect spot? Like never actually, moves? actually, she's got hair like Karen Smith. <laughs> <laughs> she really does. She really does. I lost it. <laughs> yeah. no, it's in, in the, oh, so I actually do um, add a bit of um, uh, Udo's oil or like flaxseed oil in there too as well, just for the, the nice fat and mix it all up every day. And you know what? If the thing is, is that it, she doesn't like for her, luckily she doesn't do well with human food at all. So she doesn't get any human food. She doesn't get the scraps or anything else for, just because her tummy just gets really sensitive, that type of dog that she is. But the thing is, is that I think it's important is not to overfeed your dog because they will eat whatever you put in front of them. So it's about controlling them as well. So anyways, that's uh, that's my... You're actually making me think of one of Peter Dingle's books. You know, Peter Dingle we interviewed on the show, and he's yeah. written a book, and I think it's called My Dog Eats Better Than Your Kids. Yeah. Yes. Something right. along those lines. That's, right. and, uh, that's what it sounds like when you talk about that, Lawrence. Oh, yeah. That's no, my, my dog gets uh, <laughs> special treatment for sure. Yeah, Briar. Briar, Briar actually sits on a, a like a big like king's chair, and then and she actually also gets like a, a, like a, a crown put on her head when she gets to eat because she's like... Oh, yeah, princess. easy. She's, easy, yeah. all right. <laughs> All right, so we got about we got about uh, two minutes here, three minutes. So let's uh, tackle some of these uh, indigestion, acid right. reflux. Yeah, Go yeah. There's two reasons right. for it. One is that there's an infection. If there's an infection, you'll have acid reflux between your meals, a long way away from food. If there's an infection, right? So that that's going to need some kind. Of, like what I mentioned, some herbal remedies before uh, for worming. We'd use those same sorts of herbal remedies for um, killing off parasites in the gut. If you had a infection in the gut. Any infection in the gut. Now, for most people, they don't have an infection that's causing the indigestion or reflux. Most of the time, they're either eating too much food um, or they don't have enough acid in their gut. So they don't have enough hydrochloric acid or digestive power to break down through the food that's in their gut in the first place. And now 
they're uh, fermenting their food in their tummy. So it's kind of like a bit of a fermentation box in their gut. And, uh, and, and now they're pushing up gases through their esophagus and, and taking a bit of hydrochloric acid with it, a bit of undigested food. So that's the reflux. The best thing to do there would be to increase your acid levels in your gut. So you can do that with vinegar or lemon juice. Uh, lemon juice is probably better than uh, apple cider vinegar, but you could use apple cider vinegar if you like. Um, I like to use for people um, hydrochloric acid tablets. I like to use the supplement just to really sort that thing out, get it really going, and then also at the same time use lemon juice and apple cider vinegar all in combination so that we really do a great job of fixing the gut up. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I'm going to give you 90 seconds. This is a challenge, okay? I'm going to lay down a challenge for you, uh, Demo. Oh. 90 seconds to answer this question. Gallbladder removal post-surgery suggestion on diet. 90 seconds. You're still going to have all the fat. If you don't eat fat, you're going to get depressed. You're going to muck up your your hormones. You're really going to mess up your body. You've got to eat fat. But now you've got to have fat in smaller amounts consistently through the day because you can't deal with it in big chunks. So still eat fat, just small amounts through the day. There you go. Wellness guy show on rapid fire. So guys, make sure you join us on Facebook. Keep this conversation going on the Wellness Guys Facebook page or the Wellness Couch. If you haven't liked it while you're there, please do so um, as we build... Yeah. Give us more questions because we do answer them. So yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So make sure you like us on Facebook. Share this podcast with your friends, families, and other strangers you think need a wellness <laughs> update. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, leave a five-star rating as Damien asked and requested every single week. Leave a comment on iTunes as well. So until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guy Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.